you have your Bible today, go ahead and turn to Hebrews 12. Who's ready for the Word? Amen. Amen. And it seems like I, I broach this subject often, but at the same time, I understand that many of us are probably walking through a season of shaking. Everybody say shaking. shaking. After this last storm rolled through, and I hope everybody made it through good. If, if you hadn't noticed, unfortunately, it did in the other side of our sign, so we're in the process of getting quotes and different things, of replacing that, getting it fixed. We're going through just being diligent about uh, replacing that. So we'll be talking about that in the services ahead once we get some quotes and things. But we're going to need to fix our sign. But we went through this last storm, and I was mentioning to Leah, I said, Leah, we've been through a lot of natural disasters since you and I have gotten married. No idea if there's a correlation there or anything like that. But I began to count up, and when I say natural disasters, uh, I think I'm up to now 14 or 15 hurricanes since I've lived along the Gulf Coast, and uh, I've seen EF5 tornadoes. We went to Joplin, Missouri right after that to serve and to help people gather their things out of their homes, and I've been through fires, I've been through earthquakes, I've been through a lot of stuff, and it was the earthquake that kind of led me in the direction I want to go today. Uh, has anybody else in here ever been through an earthquake? I'm just curious more than anything else. You've been through one? Those things are scary, huh? Amen. They really are. They can, they can come, obviously, out of nowhere. They don't really have any really good... When, the, when a hurricane's coming, you know. When an earthquake strikes, it strikes you suddenly. And that happened to Lee and I. Lee had already been through a couple down in Mexico City. Mexico City is a city that experiences a lot of earthquakes. I'll never forget this one particular day. I had never been through one, so I didn't know what was going on for the first, say, couple minutes of this happening. I was very disoriented. I, I, it just kind of caught me off guard. And the ministry that Lee and I led for many years was called Operation Serve International. We're going to be taking a trip there next year uh, as a church with a team to go serve the, the poorest of the poor with medical missions and evangelism. And this was one of our first teams of the year. I think it was the second week. wasn't a large team. I think we had about 20, 25 people from different churches all over the United States. And I'm there in my room, and what we would do is we'd eat breakfast, work all day, and when we got home in the evening, back to the hotel we were staying in, everybody quickly went off to their showers because we were hungry, and we wanted to shower up, meet back down in the lobby, and Leah and I and the interns that we had working for the ministry would go off into Mexico City, and we'd take them out to eat. And this particular day, we were, you know, and Leah was actually in the shower. I was out kind of the next one in. And all of a sudden, there's two types of earthquakes in Mexico City, the kind that do this, and there's the kind that do this. And this was one of the ones that did this. And so Leah had been through a shaking, an earthquake before. I had never been through one, and I promise you, it was like the scene out of the office where Dwight lit the trash can on fire. And Michael Scott's going, it's happening, it's happening. Because I told Leah, I said, what's happening, what's happening? And just like that, she said, it's an earthquake. And we had teams all spread out through the hotel. There was a, a young, uh, young single mom with a teenage uh, daughter right across from us. And, y'all, I didn't know what to do. I was in the midst of getting changed and everything. So I grabbed a, a p- bright blue pair of pajama pants with giant white horses on them. That's all I could find. I threw on a shirt, and I ran across the hall. By this time, Leah's getting, getting changed and, and dressed. Ran across the hall, knocked on the door. They came to the door. I said, there's an earthquake. And by this time, the people who lived in that area realized what was going on. 
and everybody's just running. They're running out, and we ran outside across the street where there was a building that had actually been uh, destroyed by the earthquake in the 80s. That's real great. You're standing by a destroyed building. I'm looking around like, what's going to happen next? And there was, there was this rush of, of fear and this rush of, of is this going to be bigger? Is, is buildings going to fall? All those things are running through your head. And as a side note, funny part of the story, we're about you know, 20, 25 of us are standing across the street. And right there in front of the hotel we were staying in was a news crew. And it finally dawned on me that they are taking news footage of me standing in blue pajama pants <laughs> with giant white horses. And I thought, Leah, there's 22 million people in this city, and they're all going to see me standing out in front of this hotel. And it was kind of interesting because I, I caught the hotel manager walk through the lobby and down into the parking garage, and he had somebody with him with a flashlight. So I kind of pulled him off to the side, and I, I said, is, is this building okay? And, oh, and it was always, oh, oh, we're fine, we're fine. He said, I have my engineer with me, and we're going to go down and look. I figured out the engineer was one of the bellboys. <laughs> like, this guy has an engineering degree, and he took my bags to my room the other day, all right? And so I was a little skeptical, but I have a point to this story. My point to this story is we look at this very subject today, is that the Word of God tells us that there will be a shaking that is going to take place. There's going to be a shaking of the systems of this world so that the, the, the kingdom of our God and His Christ can begin to flow into the earth. Amen? Amen. Jesus Christ is returning. Amen. He's coming back, and He's coming back to set up His kingdom, His way of doing things. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. That is the kingdom of God. Yes. And today I want to talk about the shaking that will be taking place at the, towards the end of time, but also the shaking that happens in our individual lives, the shaking that takes place in our families, because if you don't understand what God's purpose in the shaking is, it is to remove everything that's man-made so that we can be built on the Word of God, His righteousness, His peace, and His joy, and we can stand firm and strong in the faith. Because when I went to bed that night, we gathered up and we were able to, to go get changed quickly and my thought was aftershocks we're not going to stay in this hotel this evening as far until until as late as we possibly can we didn't often do this I think this might have been the only time we did it we went to dinner and then I took the team out to to watch mariachi bands at this square they all played in but I didn't get back till late because I wanted to stay away from that building but I remember laying my head on a pillow that night and I'm looking above me, and above me is a very large concrete pillar right above my head. Oh, wow. And I thought, Lord, if another earthquake hits tonight, I pray you receive me into glory. <laughs> because I was very interested if what I was staying in was strong enough to withstand the shaking that I knew was going to come eventually. In church, our lives are like that. We see shaking happen. We're going to talk in Hebrews 12, down around verse 27 here in just a minute. But there's a shaking that is taking place, I see, in a lot of believers' lives. And I want to encourage your hearts this morning and bring a challenging word, yet an encouraging word, that when God brings shaking, He has a purpose in it. Everybody say purpose today. Purpose. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 27. Let's look there today. If you're there, say Amen. amen. Father, as we open your word, we pray it would speak to our hearts and change our lives. 
that God, the anointing of the Holy Spirit that is present in this room would be more than just my words, but would be supernatural. Father, my prayer this entire week has been this church would have a revelation of who Jesus is. The flesh and blood cannot reveal this to us, but our Father in heaven can reveal who you are, Lord. So I pray that spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you opening the eyes of our heart this morning, that we may delve into your word and that we'll change our lives, God, this morning. Anything said of me, let it fall by the wayside. But, Father, whatever said under the anointing of Holy Spirit, let it go into the hearts of these people, God, and grow fruit. If you agree with that, say amen. Amen. Verse 27. Now this, yet once more, indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken as of things that are made. I want want to stop there and point out. He says there's things that are made. There's things that are created. There's things that are built in our society and in our individual lives that are constructed. They're they're created things. They're made things. And what he is saying is those things that are constructed, the shaking and the purpose of the shaking that happens is it so those things would be removed so that that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. What this verse is simply saying, church, is there's things that can be shaken and there's things that can't be shaken. Amen? So here's the thing. We need to come to grips with our life and these things. The things that are earthly and the things that we build upon can be shaken. The things that are eternal and the things that come from God cannot be shaken because they are built on the foundation of God's word. So we have things that can be shaken and removed, and we have something that cannot be shaken. And here's the thing, here's the deal, is for us as human beings, we hold precious both of those groups. So if God wants to shake something in our lives, naturally our first instinct is when the shaking comes, we assign it as something that's, that's detrimental or even perhaps evil. We look at our lives and we see the shaking that perhaps is happening to you in a personal way or in a family way, or even we look around at our world. How many understand our world seems like it's just being shaken to its core? Can I encourage you this morning that God is in control? So the Bible's telling us that there are some things that can be shaken and some things that cannot be shaken. And what God does is does us a favor because Jesus gave a parable. The parable he gave is he gave his beatitudes. In other words, the beatitudes are what life in God's kingdom is looks like. It's what a true disciple lives out in their life every single day. And when Jesus gets to the end of teaching on the Beatitudes or the attitudes to be, this is the attitude that should be in you. This is the lifestyle that we live. And when we get down to the very end, Jesus gives a parable and he talks about the rock and he talks about the sand. Everybody say rock, rock. sand. sand. He, he says, if, and this is important, if you hear these words and if you put them into practice, then you are building your life upon the rock. Now, if I could be completely honest with you this morning, 
some of the things that I have built my life upon, I have seen shaken and fall. And the conclusion that I came to wasn't God was trying to harm me. It was that God was trying to help me see the things that are eternal because only the things that are eternal, God's word and his character and who he said he was, those are the things that we build on because I got news for you this morning and this is an encouragement. When we build our life upon the word of God, there's nothing that can shake that person. There's not anything that can shake us. But I have to be honest with you this morning. I have found where I have built my life a little bit on the sand and I've been building my life upon the rock. And when I build things upon the sand, sometimes, and, and listen, it, you may say, well, if I'm building things on the sand, that must be, mean they're inherently evil. No, there are some very good things that we build our life upon that God will come along and do us a favor of shaking us to where those things don't remain. And what's the conclusion that we can come to? The conclusion that we can come to this morning is that God did us a favor because even if something seems good, the good things that we put above God in our relationship with Him are not meant to stand because nothing should come before Him. Nothing should be lifted up higher than God. Nothing should be lifted up higher than our relationship with Him. So the times of shaking that I've gone through in my life, and the reason that I'm talking about this this morning is very simple, is that I see shaking happening in the believer's life in this church. There's a shaking. And sometimes we can draw back and be kind of fearful of that season. We can draw back and kind of feel feel like, God, I I don't really want to walk through what's ahead. Can, Can I just encourage you? God is doing us a favor. Because the pruning that comes, the shaking that comes, the fire sometimes that the church of Jesus Christ has to walk through is custom designed for a purpose for God's people. It's to show the world around us that we have a God that will walk through us through the shaking, walk with us through the fire. And when you get on the other side, it's going to show you what is eternal and your eyes will be open and you will see those things that are eternal and you'll see. I am amazed at how many people that are inside the church that do not hold a biblical worldview. That, that, may, that, may that kind of may be a, a new term for you. Like, what, what's, what's the pastor talking about today? A biblical worldview is to be so firmly grounded and, and studying and following the Word of God that you do not see the world around you like everybody else sees the world. That's what Jesus was trying to point out when he talks about building on the sand and building on the rock. He's trying to simply point out to the people who are listening to him as he does the Sermon on the Mount, when he finishes, he says, if you do my words, if you live this way, you're building on the rock. And listen, he didn't say if the wind and rain and storms come. He said when the wind and the rain and the storms come, that you will be standing on something so solid that your spiritual house will not fall because you're building it upon the rock. But the the biblical worldview that God gives to us is called the Word of God. Amen? I liken it like this, maybe two ways. I don't know if I've thought through the other illustration completely because I'm going to use it Wednesday night. But a biblical worldview is is simply this. And that's what he's talking about here in Hebrews. He's talking about not looking at the things that are seen. He's talking about looking at the things that are unseen. So when we put on the glasses of the Word of God, it enables us, church, to be able to see what is really behind what is going on in your life. 
the sh- can I tell you this? The shaking that may be happening in your life, don't be so quick to rebuke the enemy. You hear me? It's, let me just tell you this. When we, put, we give too much credit to the enemy. We do. We do. When, you, when you're a child of God, your life is in his hands. So when I'm going through a shaking, I step back and evaluate, and I don't look at it from, a, from a, an angle of God's trying. I put on a biblical set of glasses. Or has anybody ever watched a 3D movie? Amen? How many like 3D movies? I don't because I'm like this in the movie yeah, theater. Right. I'm like, oh, that thing came out. Oh, I'm, I'm watching a 3D movie. You would not be aware that there's another dimension unless you put those glasses on. Right. I'm going to talk about this in depth over the next few weeks on Wednesday night. I invite you to come, but just as a study, and I thought, Lord, is this the right time to do this study? And I think going into the Christmas season is the perfect time because you see angels coming and giving messages and doing the things angels we're going to talk about angels and demons over the next few weeks but the interesting thing that i've been studying in that and it relates to what we're talking about today as we wrap up here in a few minutes and i show you a picture of the disciples who had a revelation of who jesus is when you have a revelation of who jesus is it changes everything that you look at everything that you look at you do not look at it with natural eyes anymore and all throughout the word of god There is another dimension that we're operating in. It's called the spiritual realm. And we see all throughout the word of God of where the literally, and we'll break these down on Wednesday, but when you put the right set of glasses on, it opens your eyes to what's really going on behind the scenes. And church, we need a revelation of what's going on behind the scenes in your life. Behind, in the scenes of your family, in everything that you're walking through, in the scene of this nation, in the scene of the world, for God to be able to open our eyes to see. Isn't that what the prophet said when the man's with him? And he said, he said man alive, we're going to get tore up. Look at all the enemy. And he said, God opened his eyes and see that those who are for us are far more than those who are against us. But it's a biblical worldview. This in Hebrews that we're talking about, is literally putting on the right set of glasses to where you don't have to look at the shaking that's going on in your life, throughout your life, is anything more than God removing anything that doesn't belong because we don't want to put anything above God. Amen? So let's look back down at our scripture. We're going to break these down this morning. But Jesus said very clearly, you can build on the sand or you can build on the rock. Don't turn there. But in 2 Corinthians 4, 7 through 9 says, But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. We are hard pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. I want to ask you this morning, how is that possible? That someone can be hard pressed, That somebody can be persecuted but not destroyed, can be crushed and hard-pressed and boxed in on every side. And how can Paul write this as a way of encouragement? Because people of God, our circumstances are not as they appear. I want to say that again. Your circumstances are not as they appear. It's having what is called a biblical worldview. And as I mentioned, prayer... It isn't only going to change our circumstances. When you come to God's word and you begin to pray over your circumstances, it's not your circumstances that are necessarily going to change immediately. You begin to change. Your faith begins to grow. 
the worldview that we take is looking around us and understanding God is moving towards an ultimate plan and purpose for his people in the church, but there's a whole lot of shaking going on in the midst of it. God has a plan to make your life more stable, more precious, and more powerful. Listen, if we allow the shaking and the storms and fire to point us to what we have built on that doesn't line up with God and His Word, and whether we are building on the sand or another analogy that is given in Scripture is if we are building with the wrong materials, wood, hay, and stubble, then it says that the flames of heaven, when you stand before Jesus, you are going to stand before him based on whether you received his free gift of salvation. Amen? Yes. But we, we fail to understand that also when we stand before him, and the reason that I would rather invite the shaking in my life on this side of heaven yes. is because it's going to, listen, you say invite shake. Yes. Because my biblical worldview, when I read the Word of God, I understand God, remove anything in me that doesn't belong in me now on this side, so that when I stand before you on the other side, because there are flames in heaven. If you read the book of Revelation, one thing that becomes very clear is it's a place with God's glory, and God's presence, and God's throne itself is there, and we will be worshiping around that throne. And I want to invite the flames of heaven into my life on this side, not necessarily when I stand before him. Because we understand that whatever is built on the sand, whatever is built on wood, hay, and stubble, church, it can't last because it's not eternal. And we get so worried and so worked up and so concerned about the trials, the difficulty, the fire, and the shaking that we forget to put on our biblical world glass and just look around and say, God, I believe today you are in control. God, I believe today that you are good. God, I believe today that you're for me and not against me. Because can I tell you, that's where the battle in the middle of the shaking is going to come and attack your mind. The enemy is an expert at getting you to focus on the circumstance instead of the God of the circumstance. Amen. He is. He's, he's getting you to focus over here on, this, on the shaking where God in the end result wants to maybe perhaps remove something that you could be building on in your life. That's where the battle starts. Amen? It's right here in your mind. Look back, well, you're not there. Second Corinthians 4, verse 16, he says, Therefore, we do not lose heart. Whenever you're going through a shaking, whenever you're going through the fire, whenever you're going through the difficulty, like some perhaps in here may be going through today, you want to just throw in the towel and give up and quit, right? I understand what that's like. But Paul says this, Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day for our light affliction which is but for a moment is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory and here's the key found in verse 18 while we do not look everybody say look, look. at the things which are seen but at the things which are not seen for the things which are seen are temporary but the things which are not seen are eternal now, the Greek word there for look doesn't mean just take a glance at. It literally means to inspect and ponder and weigh 
and evaluate. So if I were to read that differently, I would say it like this this morning. This helps us not look at the things that are seen, but the things that are unseen. While we do not ponder, investigate, or examine the things that are seen, but we get a proper biblical perspective, the proper glasses, the proper (laughs) biblical worldview at the things that we see when we focus on His Word and God. Amen? And I want to tell you this, if you think this, the, the shaking and the difficulties that's going on perhaps in your life as you sit here today are a sign, it, here's what happens. It, it, testify if this has happened to you. You go through a bad circumstance, you go through a difficulty, and listen, I'm not talking about just, just everyday life. Everybody say life. life. I use L-I-F-E all the time in my life. L-I-F-E means living in fallen earth. Some of the stuff you go through is just living in fallen earth, right? There's flus, amen? There's there's colds, there's flat tires, there's times where you're not getting along with somebody or work is extra hard and difficult because maybe you work in retail and you're, you know, you have to deal with holiday shoppers or something, you know, it's just... There's those things that we look at, and we, we, we immediately say, God, if I'm going through this, then it must mean that you don't love me. And church, that's where the battle begins to start. Because we say, oh, God, I, if, I, if you really love me, and, and listen, I don't think the enemy so much causes circumstances, but he'll speak into your circumstance. Yes. Are you listening to me this morning? He, I don't think it's so much. He capitalizes on sometimes us just living in fallen earth. Say you do get a flat tire, and you, you remember what I said this morning, and it's, I'm not speaking this over you, by the way. I hope all your tires stay full the whole entire week. <laughs> but perhaps something happens that's just unexpected, and really it's not anything major, just something that's just something that just annoys you. God, why, why did I have to have a flat tire? Why, why is this happening to me? Have you ever asked the question, why is this happening now? Why is this happening to me? And it really is just living in fallen earth. People drop nails on the road. Things happen. You get a flat tire. But I promise you... The enemy's right over your shoulder. And if you do not focus on God and have your revelation of who God is and a revelation of the Word of God and a revelation, your, your glasses on, so to speak, where you aren't looking at it from a natural perspective, even something as simple as that, he's right there in your ear, right? right. See, I told you God didn't love you. Mm-hmm. See, I, I told you. And, and listen, that's where, the, that's where the battle starts when it comes to your perspective. That's where the battle starts when it comes to how you're looking and evaluating your life. Because the enemy is always going to come along and begin to speak. Isn't that what the Bible says in in Ephesians? It says, we wrestle not with flesh and blood. But with principalities, powers, and spiritual wickedness in high places. It's not a natural battle. It's a supernatural battle. And it's, it, it always amazed me. And what the enemy is simply trying to do is to get you off of the rock that is Jesus Christ. He's trying to pull you off of the rock that is the truth of God's Word. And this is how he does it. When you're going through something, just like in Ephesians, Paul said this twice in that section of Ephesians that talks about spiritual warfare. He, he says it twice because it's so important. He said, having done all, stand. Now, that always amazed me because I'm the type that if I'm going to go against the enemy, I don't want to just stand. I want to take some ground. Amen? Amen. 
Well, that's not the time to take ground when you're in a shaking. It's not the time to take ground when you're in a fire. It's the time to stand on what God already said about you and the circumstance and stand on that word and having done all to stand because it says in the book of Revelation that they overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. So the warfare is in your words that you are using because when the difficulty happens, you're beginning to curse the circumstance and curse this and upset at that and it's this person at work and it's that going on. My wife isn't nice anymore. She doesn't cook like she used to, whatever it is. Can I tell you something this morning? Your spouse is not the problem. Maybe what you're speaking over your marriage is the problem. Because your words have power. Your words have power. And he is in one ear trying to get you to speak over the situation that which which God has not spoken. So when he says to stand, it hit me one time that the reason it's not offensive, it's defensive, because it says we overcome by the blood of the Lamb. Guess what I have by the blood of the Lamb? I am healed in Jesus' name. I am full of God's Spirit and power in Jesus' name. I am the head and not the tail. I am above only and not beneath. I am blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So when it says the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony, when you're going through a shaking, do not back up. You stand on what God already said. I got a flat tire, but I declare in Jesus name, I'm blessed. And we often forget that some things that happen is to keep us from something else. All the times God has kept you and you didn't even know it. Can we just give him praise and thanks this morning? Because he has. So it's a warfare of words and somebody's words are going to win. And when you put on the glasses of the word of God, you don't look around you at the circumstances happening with anything but the lens of faith. Because that which can be shaken, I'm telling you, it will be shaken in your life. And that which was, which remains didn't belong in your, that which is shaken and taken away didn't belong in your life anyway. Are you listening to your pastor this morning? But it's a war of words. It really is. You say, oh, you pastor, you're teaching just a word. No, I'm, I'm saying that you've got the Spirit of God inside of you. I'm saying this morning that you've got the Word of God right there in front of you. Use it. Because we all experience the fiery darts. And especially when you're in a season where everything seems like it's spinning and it's topsy-turvy, and you just can't get over this particular sickness, you just can't get over this, you just can't believe that this happened to you in your recent past. God, I did everything you said to do, and here I am in this position again. And I promise you, it is a war of words, because the enemy's trying to speak to you and talk about all the things God isn't, instead of who He is. And when you begin to declare, when you begin to, to pray that, when you begin to say and rehearse, but it takes being in the Word of God. Amen? We need to give God something to work with sometimes. Give the Holy, get into the Word. I know this is simple, but it's the truth. Get into the Word. I said it last week, and I'll say it again. We need some old-time religion. You know what they used to do? They prayed, they read their Word, and they came to church. They prayed, they read their Word, and they came to church. If we just have a revival of those three things, we'd see the strongest church emerge out of this last two and a half years that we've been in. That the, the mess that we see around us, listen, there's an answer and it's called the kingdom of God and His Christ. It's called the people of God finally having a revelation of what the kingdom really is. And it's not, it's not swords, it is servanthood. Come on. It is. 
But he does us a favor in this. He does us a favor because he begins to reveal those areas where we're building upon the sand. It's easy to build sandcastles. It is. It's more difficult to hew down into a rock that is Christ. It's more difficult to hew down into something that is eternal. And the Word of God is eternal. You can, If you're here this morning, and maybe you're visiting for first, second time or whatever, I want you to know, you build your life upon the rock that is Christ and His Word, and your life cannot be shaken. Amen. Because you understand something very important about this life. We're in enemy territory. We forget that, don't we? If we're in enemy territory, it means that we have an enemy that the Bible very clear is to kill, steal, and destroy. That's not meant to put any kind of fear in you. It's to sober us up. And the Bible says that. Be sober, be vigilant. Because we say this to ourselves all the time when we're going through a shaking. God, I'll, I'll never be able to get over this addiction. God, I'll, I'll never have a good marriage. God, I'll never be able to, to be successful. Well, my grandma had heart problems and mom had heart problems. And Lord, I guess I'm just going to... Can I tell you, the word of God can defeat every lie that the enemy tries to bring. And when you're going through a shaking, especially if it's physical, what do we all do? You find one little mole. WebMD. Right? Leah did this the other day, you know, when she was going through her physical things with her gallbladder. She had herself on her deathbed for coming like, Leah, Leah, quit looking up gallbladders on the Internet. She's reading me all these things. And, and I just, look, I'll say it again. Quit looking at WebMD for some of y'all. The reason I say that in jest, but it is serious, is that's exactly, the devil is a terrorist. He's a terrorist. He's going to come and give you the worst case because he's trying to feed into your fear instead of build your faith. The devil's never going to try to build your faith. He's always going to. So when Jesus talks about, and the word of God in Hebrews talks about, that we, every, God will shake. And that shaking is for one very important purpose. To reveal to us, listen, who he is and reveal to us what we are building our life upon. Because if you're like me, I'm assuming that you would rather know on this side of heaven that you were building on the proper foundation and building a life that's pleasing to God rather than when you stand before him. And and listen to me this morning. Listen to me. I'm not talking about salvation. You can't build your salvation. It's provided. That's the truth of God's word. When Jesus said it is finished, he was saying that everything that needed to be done was done and finished for the sacrifice, the perfect sacrifice for each sinner in this room. Say, I've walked with God for 25 years. I'm not a sinner. Yes, you are. Yep. God peels back layers. There's things in my heart that I'm just like, wow, Lord, really? 25 years down the road with you pastoring, ministering the word, and that ugly attitude's in me? So I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about inviting God's word to come in, not just part of our heart, all of our heart. Because it will begin to, and listen, when his, his word is powerful. 
Literally, one of the Psalms says it literally shakes the cedars of Lebanon. God's, God's voice, God's word, God's power, God's movement, the hills melt like wax at the presence of the Lord. Your circumstance and your shaking is not the issue this morning. The issue is your faith in God who's walking you through it. And understanding that he is working a far greater weight of glory through what you're walking through. And I got news for you today, too. If you think in your Christian life, you come and, and you give your life to Jesus, that everything's going to get easier. <laughs> no, the battle just started. I think as Christians, we need to understand that it is a battle. It is a fight. It is what we're walking towards. There's another place, and this is such an amazing story, but this, I want to touch on this as I conclude today. It's such an amazing story in the Bible. Of in Matthew 16, and in Matthew 16 is where he said, on this rock, I will build my church. So everybody say, what's this rock? Thank you, three of you. That was, wow. Don't shout me down. Say it again. What's this rock? That's my question as I pondered this scripture. When I was thinking about going through an earthquake, when I was thinking about going to bed, Scared that, is this really enough to stay up and protect me? If you've never been at a crisis of faith where you've just looked around and said, God, is your word enough to carry me through this? The rock, and let me posit this, and you guys ponder it, you guys study it, be like the Berean church and dig into the scriptures and ponder this. When Jesus takes his disciples, and when he gives the famous saying of upon this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it, we often, there's some denominations or even some religious leanings that they say, well, he's building upon Peter. He's, he's building upon this, or he's building upon that. But to illustrate what I'm talking about today to finish is Jesus gathers up his disciples and he takes them to a very unusual place. That unusual place is a place called Caesarea Philippi. And Caesarea Philippi, if you read the story, it's very kind of out of the way because he didn't say we have a purpose for going there or we're going to minister, we're going to see healings, we're going to see the gospel preached, all the things that you see out throughout the three and a half years of Jesus' ministry. He just rounds them up and he says, we're going here. And the interesting thing about it is is it was roughly about 32 miles from where they presently were. So people who walked everywhere to get somewhere, this is a long distance. Jesus had a tremendous purpose for bringing them to this place. Because Caesarea Philippi was a place where they literally, and this is why he said what he did, it was a place where they had a cave system there. And literally the name of it was the Gates of Hell. Because they worshiped the god Pan, and they also worshiped Caesar, right? That's what Romans did. Caesar was their god. He was their king. He was their Caesar. So they worshiped him. So they had a huge statue of, of Pan, the god who they said descended from this cave, descended from the gates of hell. Listen, and if you don't get this, you won't understand what I'm about to say. Everybody that was present there, including the people just milling around or worshiping at this altar of Pan and Caesar, and literally there were gates there, and it was this huge scene. And here's another thing to remember. Good Jewish boys did not go to Caesarea Philippi. 
it would have been like sin city of their day. It had been like Jesus coming here today and saying, I'm just going on a field trip to Las Vegas. And we'd be like, what? Las Vegas? Sin city. I've got nothing against Las Vegas, by the way. I'm sure there's some godly, wonderful people there. Never been. Hope to. But he puts them in he puts them in a place where everything they could see in the natural was everything that had been built up by man. And it's in this context that he sits them all down. Literally, they're right at the gates of hell. They're right at the worship of false gods and false deities. And he asked them a question. And this is the most important question that you will ever answer in your entire life. Who do men say that I am? And they, they begin to, to say who they think. Some, some think you're you know, Elijah raised from the dead. Some think you're this. You know, that's the most important question because the world's got it wrong about who Christ is. Because you'll hear it all the time. Well, yeah, the teaching of Jesus. I follow him because he's a peaceful man. And I follow him because he was a good teacher. And I follow him because I this and that. Can I tell you, the reason you follow him is because he's the son of the living God. There is no other way to heaven, no other name by which men can be saved. That's the truth of what God's word says. And he asks this question. They begin to say, we think you're this and we think you're that. And in Matthew 16, he says this. He says to Peter, listen to me. What is happening with Peter in this moment is he is putting on the lens of God's truth. And when he puts on the lens of God's truth, he no longer sees Pan and the enemy and what the enemy's building. When he puts on this lens, he has a wow revelation moment. And the reason I say it's a revelation is because Jesus himself looked at him and said, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my father is in heaven revealed who I am in this moment. In church, he said, on this rock, I will build my church in the gates of hell. All this that you see build up that you're so worried about, all that you're walking through that you are so concerned about the shaking, and all that you are walking through that you are so worried that this is going to take me down. If you build your life on one simple revelation that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, then there's nothing in this world that could ever sway you or move you, and nobody that's elected, and nothing. You you may be walking through a time when somebody has left you that you're close to. Maybe you're walking through a divorce. Maybe you're walking through health issues. Maybe you're walking through difficulties. I just came to tell you something this morning that it's on the rock of who Jesus is, the revelation of who he is. It says, who do men say that I am? And they say, some people look at you and they misinterpret who you are. But listen, Peter, on the other hand, had a set of glasses that he put on and he said, wow. So when Jesus says, upon this rock, I will build my church, he's not talking about a church. He's talking about a worldview that is able to see truth from deception. Do you understand that's, that is in, within your spiritual ability to discern between good and evil? To be wise as a serpent and be as harmless as a dove? To walk the way Jesus said to walk. How did Jesus say to walk? He said, bless your enemies, don't curse them. If somebody wants to walk a mile, walk two. That's 
what he was talking about. So he lines them up in front of the greatest deception known to man at the time, Caesar and Pan. And he says, things that are built, the world system. And he says, okay, boys, are you looking at the natural or are you looking at the eternal? And my whole point this morning was to bring you to this one place to ask you that very question. Because when the enemy sets up gates, when he sets up something, his ultimate goal is to get you focused on the giant Caesar statue, the smoke rising up out of the ground and the flames. He is a showman. And when you get focused on what's around you instead of who's above you, when you get focused on man's word and the enemy's fiery darts and his lies more than what God said in his word, then you're getting off track and you're no longer looking with eyes of faith and you're looking with eyes of fear. Stand with me this morning. Alexis, if you'd come. Here's where I want to bring you to. This is practical and it will help you tremendously when you're facing a shaking when you're facing a trial, when you're facing that difficulty, I'll put it this way. Every single person in this room, everybody, and young people, listen to me. If you haven't been listening to me for the last 25, 30 minutes, listen to me for just a minute. Because you're still young enough for us as grown, mature, spiritual adults to begin to teach you something very important about life. You are the sum total today, and you will be in 20 years, and some of you that are in your 60s or older or even my age, 49, some of you that are in that place, I am the sum total of the reaction to the shakings that have taken place in my life. Because there's only four things that happen whenever you go through a fire, a difficulty, a sickness, whatever it is. There's only four reactions. First, you examine it. Everybody say examine. Examine. When you examine it, then you interpret it. That's what happens. Then you come to a conclusion about that. And then you have a reaction to the circumstance that you're in. Your life is a result of your reaction to the shakings that have happened in your life. Every result can be traced back to how you chose to react to the fire, to the storm, and to the shaking. And we could sit here the rest of the morning and just talk about all the different shakings that could be going on in your life. But listen to me. It is when you examine something and you're not examining it with the lens of God's word through the power of the Holy Spirit inside of you. I've shared it briefly, but I'll say it again. I've walked through seasons in my life to where I, has anybody else just kind of looked around and said, God, if, if you're for me, I just need a little something here, you know? Yeah. Anybody else? Yes. Yeah, God, if, if you're really for me, I just, yeah. I'd throw, throw me a bone because it seems like I'm walking this thing alone. And see, if I am not ready to stand on God's word of what he... When God simply said, I will never leave you nor forsake you, he meant it. So when the enemy came along and said, you're going to go through a fire that's absolutely going to destroy you. And that started to take root in my heart. Ah, God. Because isn't that what... here's, Here's what we all do. When you go through a circumstance, you begin to say this. Because the enemy's helping you. 
oh, there must just be something really horrible in your life. You must have been mean the other day. You must have lost your temper. You must have, and, and he just pounds you with all the lies. And your reaction to that is if you're responding to it and believing what he's saying above what God's saying, then that, listen to me, that shaking is not going to have what the result God wants it to have because now you're just building more sandcastles of lies. It's the, listen to me, it is the rock of God's word. It is the rock of what God said about you and about your circumstance that there is no such thing as an unredeemable circumstance in your life because if it has the cause of removing something that didn't belong so that something that God can do in your life can be built up, then it's a good circumstance. It's all about how you view the world around you. And I'm amazed amazed at how many people who confess Christ and believe in Him don't wake up in the morning and spend time saying, God, get my heart right. God, get my spirit right. God, get my eyes focused on you and not my boss and not my kids and not my wife and not anything else. Because the shaking that's going on, I'm telling you, listen, you've got loved ones that you've prayed for. And the the first thing that we want to do with loved ones is come in and ride to the rescue. Amen? Can I tell you, let God shake some things in some loved one's lives. Let God shake. Let God shake. Amen. Because I'm telling you, there's always a beating before the blessing. Or like Brother Glenn puts it, there's always an ouch before the hallelujah. There is. There is an ouch. There is a beating before the blessing. And we look around and we say, God, and we're rebuking the devil. And God's just like, let me just take this. I don't know who said it, but I think it might have been Corey Tenboom, perhaps. He said, she said, I want to just offer to God whatever he's asking for so that he doesn't have to pry it from my hand. Yes. Good word. Very good word. Some of the things that you're holding on to this morning are things that can't last because God never intended for them to. You are not to put anything above your God. Anything above your relationship with Him. Anything. He's first. Or He's not anything. That's the truth. God is to be lifted up and made first in all of our lives. We are to look at the shaking that is going on perhaps in your life. You say, man, you're just talking about all these things that I don't want. I tell you how not to go through some shakings. It's just give it to God when He asks for it. Be in the Word and be discerning. Be close in prayer with the Holy Spirit. How many times has the Holy Spirit just come? And again, lovingly revealed, not in condemnation. Condemnation gives you no hope. Conviction leads you to the hope of change of what's in your life. And there's nothing that you'll ever give to God in faith as as a willing sacrifice. Listen to me, that if God intended for you to have it, He will not press down, shake it together, pour it out from heaven back to you a hundredfold. I'm telling you. Everything that I've given up throughout my life in service and honor to build my life upon the truth and the rock of God's word that I've given up to him has he not pressed back. I left my family a long time ago. I'm very close to my family. Look around you. You guys are my family. Amen. Amen. I have a a revelation of what Jesus meant when he just simply said, who are my brothers and my sister and my father and my mother, but those who do the will of God. 
You know who my family is? Those who do the will of God. No matter where I go, I can always find somebody that's serving God. You're never alone, and you're never in the fire alone. It's meant to burn off the weight. It's meant to burn off the the bondages perhaps you're in. And it's also to set your feet upon the rock of Jesus Christ. Amen? Bow your head and close your eyes, if you would, for just a moment while I bring this to a close. I want to ask this question, as I always do. Let me give you the gospel in just two minutes. The gospel is this. Man fell in Genesis, and we gave away our relationship with God. We died spiritually. We are sinners separated from a holy God because we're born in sin. Jesus came, paid the price, died on a cross so that you could be in right relationship with him. It is a free gift of salvation. There's nothing you can do to earn it. There's nothing you can do to buy it. But in this moment, if the Holy Spirit is dealing with you and saying, I just need to, I need to give my life to God so that I can build my life upon that rock that is Jesus Christ. I can build my life upon who He is. You say, the Holy Spirit's dealing with me. I just want to get right with Him. Would you just shoot your hand up right there where you are? Is there anybody in this room that says, I need to repent? I need to put my faith in God. Amen. 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 Let's all pray this together. There are people that are getting their hearts right with God right now in this moment. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you today honestly telling you that I have sinned and fallen short of your glory. I thank you that you have offered me the free gift of salvation. That if I confess with my mouth and believe in my heart, that you are Lord and Savior, that you will come into my life, you will wash me clean, and I can be your child. So today, Father, I confess Jesus as Savior. Wash me of my sins. I confess Jesus as Lord. I give my heart to you. Do with it what you please. Save me, heal me, restore me. In Jesus' holy name, amen, amen. Thank you, Lord. Now listen, you handful of people that acknowledged and said, I want to get my heart right with God, I want to tell you the most important thing you can do is begin to read the Word, begin to fellowship with believers. Because your heart, if you prayed that in faith, your heart, you're a new creation in Christ. You need people to encourage you. Amen. And this is a great church. If you're visiting with us this morning, we thank you. We welcome you. We'd like for you to come back and uh, join us anytime that you'd like. If you come more than a couple times, you're family at that point. And we're just going to pull you in and love on you. Amen? Amen. Amen. Lift your hands with me and let me bless you this morning as you go. Heavenly Father, I bless Christian Center Church. God, I love this church, but I know you love them far more than I ever will or do. So, Lord, I pray your love would flow down them from heaven right now. The joy of the Lord shall be their strength. That they will walk out of here today with an understanding of the rock by which we stand. 
the truth of your words. God, we pray today you would help us put on the glasses of faith and the biblical worldview of the circumstances in the world around us that you would bring a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you. Open the eyes of our heart today. Bless the people of God as they go today, Father. I pray your face would shine upon them. You would give them peace. You would give them rest. They'd be blessed going in and blessed going out. Blessed at work and blessed in the home. Father, I speak and I pray the blessings of God, of protection, health, and favor upon them, God, today, this November, as we are thankful and we focus on all the good things in our life that come from the hand of God today, Father. May we leave here but never from your presence until you bring us back at the appointed time. In Jesus' name, amen.